0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, the title of this episode is, It's Been a Year. And that could be taken in a couple of different ways. We'll explore that, plus all things Stanford Hoops, on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. Great to have you with us Tuesday, March 9th. 2021. Hope you're having a great week so far. Hope you're staying healthy and staying sane and masking up. We're going to have a lot of fun as we always do on the TreeCast. Our special guest this week is John Platt, the color commentator for Stanford Men's Basketball Radio Broadcast. He and Scott Reese, the voice of the Stanford Cardinal, make a chemistry-rich duo. We're going to talk, obviously, a lot about the road ahead for Stanford men's basketball as they begin uh, the Pac-12 men's basketball tournament down in Las Vegas on Wednesday, but also impressive finish to the regular season and conference tournament for Stanford women's basketball. So we'll cover all things hoops with John Platts coming up a bit later on in the program. You'll also hear from Stanford Men's Basketball Head Coach Jared Haas as one of our three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics. So a lot to get to here on the show. And, and, And even though the TreeCast has been going for almost six years now overall, it was one year ago today, March 9th, that we posted the first TreeCast on the Believe Podcast Network. Few things have happened since then, no? <laughs> we'll uh, we'll definitely dive into that a bit later on in the show. Uh, Troy Clarity here in my 28th year of uh, following Stanford Sports. You can uh, follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity, last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, Troy Clarity, last name is C-L-A-R-D-Y, Pac-12 Network play-by-play announcer, and knee-deep in everything right now with everybody playing and everybody going soccer, baseball, softball, lacrosse. Those are the four things that I'm juggling for the next few weeks and uh, super glad to be back in that spot, especially after all we've been through over the past few months. So looking forward to getting into that plus everything else that we have on this installment of the TreeCast for you. But first, of course, it's the NCAA Tournament. It's the most wonderful time of the year if you're a basketball fan, and of course, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. NBA in full swing, college basketball heating up, tournament is coming, so the so is the one hundred thousand dollar bracket madness contest. As Bet Online is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's hop into it. Three things you need to know right now around Stanford athletics. Let's begin with number (coughs) one. And first off, congratulations to Stanford women's basketball. The Cardinal wear the crown as the Pac-12 champions as they won the conference tournament in Las Vegas last weekend. Decisive wins over USC and Oregon State to start, then a dominating showing against UCLA in the Pac-12 final, beating the Bruins by 20 and avenging one of Stanford's only two losses so far this season. Kiana Williams with 26 points this time around against the Bruins. Her reaction to the Cards road to the conference title. Felt like we were on the road for, forever those nine, ten weeks, but <clears throat> but we stuck together um, and we, we really leaned on each other. Um, it was hard at times, you know, living out of a suitcase, living out of the hotel rooms, but we wanted to play so bad. Uh, we just had to make certain sacrifices. So to, to win the regular season and then to come here and back it up with the uh, tournament championship, um just says a lot about how tough we are, and uh, I'm super excited how, how we bounced back from that UCLA loss. Um, you know, I, I, we were watching film uh, yesterday, and a- after that um, Oregon State game, I was just getting frustrated and little things that we didn't do, and I'm, I'm glad we fixed them tonight. Yeah, going back to that loss to UCLA back in January, if you remember that game, it was super frustrating. The Bruins killed Stanford on the glass especially late in the fourth quarter. I remember talking to Tara Vanderveer uh, the very next day after that game, and uh, she wasn't thrilled. Stanford hasn't lost since. He's the key, but there's also Cameron Brink, Anna Wilson, and Lexi Hall. Those three are everywhere. Haley Jones, Fran Man, this this team is loaded for the tournament. Cardinal are number two in this week's poll, and, and some bracketologists have Stanford as the number one overall seed. How far can the card go? Can they finish it up at the very end in San Antonio? Can't wait to find out. Let's get to number two. Well, meanwhile, Stanford men's basketball ramping up for its conference tournament, also in Las Vegas. First opponent, Cal, on Wednesday at 7 p.m. You might remember Stanford met Cal in last year's Pac-12 tournament. Then again, I wouldn't blame you if you forgot it. Health as usual, an issue with Stanford. Oscar Da Silva is day to day. Jared Hass says that uh, Oscar does want to play, and it's within the realm of possibility that he plays. So that's good news, but it all depends on how how Oscar looks in practice leading up to this. He does anticipate Bryce Wills and Dejon Davis being okay to go. Now, a month ago, Stanford's NCAA tournament resume looked pretty good. Now, er... Stanford's 14-12 and 12 heading to Vegas, and Jared Haas looks at Stanford's tournament
1: resume to this point. Obviously, lots of wins would help. Um, you know, the one thing when you look at our resume, it's probably, when you look at it holistically, it's probably unlike anybody else, um, partly just because of uh, the situation we were in, uh, you know, being uh, away from Maples, away from home, away from uh, Stanford for so long. And then also the injuries, again, I've already mentioned, I think just their original starters for the season, um, you know, who we played pretty well against Alabama that first game of the year with with these five guys as starters. Um, And then in the conference season, again, we're over 30 games, uh, individual games that those guys have missed. And so the instability has been challenging um, and we haven't had a cohesive group. I think one of the questions is, would we have that going in the NCAA tournament? Uh, And I'm hopeful and I'm thinking the answer would be yes, but, the reality is, we we are going to need to take care of business on the court. But I do think we have a uh, an interesting story. Uh, I think we've proven that we can be a heck of a team. I also think we've we've had a lot of adversity, and a lot of challenges. Uh, and while we haven't responded well every single time, I think there have been a number of times, and more than not, that we've have responded pretty well and shown that. Uh, We are very, very capable. Yeah,
0: we'll see what happens, but no doubt Stanford probably needs multiple wins in Las Vegas this week to get a crack at the big dance. Meanwhile, shout out to the Cardinal getting some conference accolades as announced earlier on Tuesday. Congrats to Jaden Dallaire, named Pac-12's most improved player of the year. Oscar Da Silva, who made all Pac-12 first team and the Pac-12's all defensive team. And Zaire Williams named Pac-12 all freshman team honorable mention. DeLair was also named all Pac-12 honorable mention. Let's wrap up three things with number three. And we have not had a chance on this show to react to the Stanford football 2021 schedule. So let's do it here. We've known the who for a while. We've known the opponents for a while, but we didn't know the when until the Pac-12 finally announced everything last week. Stanford season begins September 4th and the Cardinals start with three on the road in consecutive weeks versus Kansas State at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium in Arlington, Texas, at USC, and at Vanderbilt. That means seven straight road games for Stanford, bridging back to the 2020 season. That's that's got to be a record. No, they're gonna they're gonna put on those white uh, those, those red uniforms rather uh, for the home opener and go. God, what, what are these? We're used to wearing this color scheme. Oh, okay, all right, all right. That's cool. Let's go. Uh, that home opener is on September 25th against UCLA. Oregon comes to the farm the following week. Then a road trip and a short week for a Friday game down at Arizona State and a plane ride to Pullman the following week. Card get the bye before firing things up again on October the 30th when they host Washington, then another Friday night game, this time at home against Utah on November 5th, one last road trip to Oregon State, then big game at Stanford November 20th, and Notre Dame at Stanford on November 27th. Only one team in all of college football is playing all Power 5 opponents in every game this fall. You guessed it. The Stanford Cardinal, SEC schedule makers would faint <laughs> at that notion. They need their fainting couches for that. Uh, the, the one game, an intriguing slate top to bottom. And, and a tough slate and a challenging slate in a lot of ways. But, but but the one game that jumps out to me, October 8th at A-State. Going down to Tempe on a short week after playing Oregon. And Oregon and A-State. You know, we're way early here, but I would project those two teams to be Pac-12 contenders overall, A-State in the South and Oregon in the the North, but playing A-State on the road after a short week after playing Oregon, that's a challenge. That's a challenge, and the whole thing is challenging, but you don't play football because it's easy, you play it because it's hard. Sorry for... Channeling my inner JFK, there. Uh, so there it is, the Stanford football twenty twenty one schedule, and uh, hopefully it's the only version of the schedule that we. need. Those are three things. We'll talk to our special guest for this week's show, John Platts of uh, the Stanford Radio Network, coming up in a few minutes. But but first, I want to I want to go back a little bit, and and I remember walking out of Maples Pavilion on March seventh. I just finished calling the Pac-12 Wrestling Championships, and, and quite frankly, there was a pretty eerie feeling over the entire event. Uh, fan capacity was very limited, and with all the things that we had been seeing in the headlines about the coronavirus and, and its potential effect uh, once it fully made its way Uh, Onto American shores, there was the suspicion that things could go sideways very quickly. So that was on March 7th. On March 9th, we posted the very first TreeCast on the Believe Podcast Network. And then three days later, everything went kaput. I remember uh, I was supposed to talk to uh, uh, Stanford women's lacrosse head coach uh, Daniel Spencer. I had both of Stanford's matches to call that week. Uh, and the, and that, that morning of March 12th, and about, maybe about 45 minutes or so before we were supposed to chat, we started to get some rumblings that, that things were not going to go off as planned. And Danielle and I are, are emailing each other, hey, are we still doing this? We don't know. If you hear anything, let me know. Okay, no problem. And then about 15 minutes before we were supposed to chat, everything, uh, everything uh, or at least the, the, the lacrosse games got uh, canceled. And then by the afternoon, the entire plug had been pulled. Since then it's been a year and it's been a year. I'm not going to rehash everything that we've all had to go through over the past year. You're probably well aware of it all. We're all going through it together. And I've, I've covered that ground, I think on, on other episodes, but, but right now, one year later to me, anyway, things feel like, things feel like they're turning in the right direction. Been super busy myself the past couple of weeks with Stanford soccer and baseball and softball and lacrosse. Uh, my Pac-12 network spring slate fired up last week. Super grateful for that. Um, there are no fans allowed in the stands as I say this, but, but that could be changing for the better very soon. And above all, for me, it, it's great to be back in stadiums, watching games with my own eyes, calling games, talking to coaches, all of those things. As you know, especially those of you who listened to the TreeCast all through this past summer, I, I've really had my reservations about playing and holding a competition through a global pandemic. And I, I've, I've had questions as to whether it's the smartest, safest, and responsible thing to do. Now, has this process been perfect? No. No, it hasn't. Did every game go off as scheduled? No. No, it hasn't. Has everyone had the right answers at all times? No, no, no one's batting a thousand here. But by and large, it's gone better than I thought it might. And we know, more much, we know much more about things now than we did in the summer, though the long-term effects of this thing are, are still to be determined, both physical and psychological. But we know more now now than we did in the summer. That's a good thing. We're playing even the non-revenue sports, something that didn't seem certain as as recently as early to mid-January. And we seem to be doing it safely. That's a good thing, too. Oh, and there is a vaccine. Several of them, as a matter of fact. Go get yours if you haven't already and have the opportunity to do so. Now, specifically with Stanford, because the restrictions there have been much more severe and stringent, and the obstacles, uh, the hoops uh, that they've had to jump through to compete have been, have been cer- certainly more daunting than just about anywhere else in the country. So cert- specifically, this, what I'm about to say, applies to Stanford in particular. But I'm grateful for the efforts of everyone who worked to get to this point. Not just the decision makers, but the problem solvers, because those can be two completely different groups of people. I'm grateful for the, the student athletes because, man, they've been put through the psychological ringer the past year, and they've had to do much of it on their own. And I'm grateful to see you know, my Twitter timeline full of broadcasting friends and colleagues who are back calling games again. Is it over? No, no, far from it. Keep wearing a mask, mask it or casket. I'll say it again at the end of the show. But we are in better shape. Meanwhile, as for the show, it, it's been cool. It's been fun being on the Believe Podcast Network. They gave a, they gave the show a home, and it's worked out pretty well. Uh, we've been around since 2015, and the TreeCast was mostly a Stanford football podcast, and by and large, it hasn't necessarily changed. But you know, it was mostly a Stanford football podcast at heart. And last year, when we latched on to uh, Believe, I was just going to do the spring football season, take a break, and then come back for fall football season. Well, things changed. (laughs) And and so did the scope of the show. I, I still have no idea how we got through the summer. But you know what? We came at you every single week from March 9th on throughout the end of the calendar year. And thanks to... Thanks to great guests, and more importantly, great listeners. We did. We did. It, it's been fantastic. Honored to have, you know, the, the, the guest that we've had on, Tara Vanderveer, who, by the way, as of right now, the last time I checked was our most downloaded episode. That's pretty neat. Uh, David Shaw's been on for three exclusive interviews with us. Always appreciate his time. Tara Vanderveer's uh, Vanderveer mentioned uh, Jared Haas, Senator Cory Booker, so many Stanford all-time greats throughout uh, that we've caught up with uh, throughout uh, throughout the show. It, it's been it's been great. It's been great. It's been a year, and it's been a year. <laughs> and and I'm grateful that uh, you've spent part of it here with us. We'll talk to John Platts coming up in just a moment, but first. Our friends at eBay, a word about them, whether rare deadstock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair that you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators, so you know it's the real deal. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over a hundred bucks, so that makes it free to sell or flip your collection. So good stuff all the way around from eBay. Go to eBay.com/sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Well, March is here, and that means it is a basketball lover's paradise, especially in the collegiate game. And very intriguing times for both Stanford men's and women's basketball. Women wrapping up a Pac-12 title in the the tournament uh, down in Las Vegas over this past weekend. The men begin their road in the Pac-12 tournament coming up on Wednesday against the California Golden Bears. Let's break down both teams right now. With someone who I think has watched maybe more Stanford men's basketball certainly than maybe anyone else over the past 25 years at the very least. And and, and certainly a a great person always to chat uh, hoops with and his encyclopedic knowledge of uh, Stanford athletics uh, entertains and informs us all the one and only John Platt's joining
2: us on this week's TreeCast. John, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. How are you doing today? Hey, Troy, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the TreeCast this March. So it's going to be fun to talk hoops. Yeah, yeah, certainly,
0: certainly. And uh, hopefully we're talking a lot about uh, Stanford men's hoops down the road. We'll get to them in a second. But as mentioned, Stanford women's basketball, super impressive run through Las Vegas for them as they're able to hoist the trophy at the very end of it. USA Today poll came out earlier on Monday, and they're now number two behind UConn. They got they got a fair share of number one votes. What impressed you most about women's basketball and their run to the championship over this past weekend?
2: Well, I mean, you got you have to love the record, obviously twenty five and two, and that the fact that they they flipped that UCLA experience of earlier this year in 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 dominating fashion. I'm just I I am real bullish on on this year's team, and I, I sort of mentioned on the side to some folks that. It draws for me comparisons to 1989, 1990, which was Tara's first NCAA championship team, and you know, players on that team like Jennifer Azzi and Katie Stedding, who I know is an assistant on this on this year's uh, edition. Uh, but you know, Kiana Williams and, and Lexi Hull, those two kind of stand out to me. Is you know whether it's the leadership of Kiana or her ability to make a play and her intensity and her demanding of herself and her teammates, to the energy and the movement of of Alexi Hull, and I just I. And then the players around them um, that I think are, are, are focused. You know, they've got a lot of determination. Uh, and then you got a Hall of Fame coach who, you know, has been to a number of Final Fours. And I just think that she, her management of this particular team, I, I, Troy, I think barring a COVID outbreak or, or an injury to, uh, to a you know, to one of the rotation players, I, I think they're going to hoist a trophy in San Antonio. Wow. Yeah. That, that, and, and certainly that's well in the realm of possibility. And you mentioned what, what Tara Vanderveer was able
0: to do with this particular team, but don't forget in this particular season as well, with so many things that are thrown at her that you just don't have a playbook for look, Tara Vanderveer is one of the all-time college coaching greats, no matter the sport. I think we can all agree on that. No matter, no matter which diploma we have hanging on our wall, but you know, in, in your mind, where does this uh, I you know I kind of hate to ask this question in a sense because it's kind of so sports talky, but but here it is, I'll throw it out there anyway. Where does this year's coaching job do you think rank among some of the other coaching uh, feats that Tara van Vanderveer has been able to pull off throughout
2: the course of her amazing career? Well, I mean, it's it's right up there. I mean, I mean, you t- she's a Hall of Famer for a, a number of reasons, Olympics and 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 things of, of of that nature, but you know, she came to Stanford in five years, she had the, the team winning a, na- a national championship just to, to, from, from the ground, literally the, the ground up. So that was quite a feat. And it was just, it was like this. Um, but you mentioned this year and all the time on the road. And you know, the, the team just doesn't seem to have been phased by it. They, you, you watch them on television and they're, they're just, I mean, they are concentrating, they're on task, they're, they're moving. And she, the way that she's managing, I mean, you know, I, I sometimes watch for coaches over coaching, or, you know, you know, a, a scowl or something. I, I I I'm not. I don't have a camera on her, but I just I love the way that she's handling this group. And I, you know, I I admire her not only for her accomplishments and her intelligence in basketball, but I you know she she tweaks things around the edges. I think as the years go by, and you know, as a new generation of women, young women come uh, with different skill sets, maybe more physical talent than she's ever had in certain ways. She knows how to handle that. She knows how to tweak the offense to accommodate that. And I I just think it's a confluence of a Hall of Fame coach, knowing knowing how to manage this group in particular, and then the players responding—they call it T Dog. I mean, just there's a symbiosis there. To me, stands out. There've been other great teams that she's had, Final Four teams, great players like Candace Wiggins and the K, you know, sisters and and uh, Nicole Powell and, and Troy. You know them because you you were in school in the, in the '90s as well. Uh, but but this this is this is like that '89 '90 team where there was no superstar, but except for az you know the, the accolade she got but she wasn't right. 23 points a game uh like some later additions but just that the, the pieces um they all there's a symbiosis to them and i'm, I'm looking forward to this march with them i look there's going to be a game or two where canna maybe has to hit a shot or they're going to have to come from behind not going to be easy and they could, they could they could they could they could tumble but i i like i said i i've watched i watched them every year and, and there's something about this year that really has me thinking it's going to be a a nice finale in San Antonio. Yeah, got to like their chances. Oh, by the way,
0: Cameron Brink has really developed as a player throughout the course of the entire season. She's been she's been super amazingly fun to watch as uh, Stanford women's basketball has been throughout much of the season. So Stanford women's hoops with the Pac-12 championship in hand. Let's switch it over to the men's side as they begin uh, the uh, men's basketball tournament in Las Vegas, Stanford versus Cal uh, on Wednesday evening. And men's basketball, it's been a bit of a struggle for them of late. They've dropped four straight. Uh, simple question, probably a compound answer here. What's happened?
2: Well, I mean, I think you know, the the absence of the equivalent of three starters for a good chunk of the conference season uh, impacted everything. And then they 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 have come back more or less. Uh, but I, I think there's an integration to that i don't, I don't think you come back and you, and you roll out there and you get 19 a game or you're you, you're in the flow so I, I think the reintegration if you will has been uh it, it's taken, taken some time not entirely surprising um you know then oscar Da silva is sort of the counterpunch when you've got the you know the bryce wills and the Z- zaire williams coming back and then and then oscar goes out and oscar is you know, obviously the the centerpiece of, of everything and it's not just the, the productivity and the points and the percentages but you run the offense through him he's in the right place he has good, such good decision making about when to make his move or to or to keep the you know to keep the the offense going so uh you know oscar obviously oscar coming back uh i don't know the answer to that as, as we speak here on on, on monday before the, the tournament but in his absence it's going to be very very tough to go to go far in las vegas if he comes back could be, could be interesting. I mean, I I do think the last few days of practice, with the coaching staff and the players, I think you know, kind of working through everything and, and how 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 we as a group react to the losses and can we can we find uh, you know a, a a fire for Las Vegas that'll that'll be interesting to see. I think they've got uh, you know in Cal in that Wednesday game. I think that's that's probably better for this group right now than having to play say on Colorado in the in the first game. They were on a path, as you know, to try to. Uh, to being uh, having the buy and playing a, a, a top four type team in the in the first in the first game, but but here they have it's not by no means is is the tune-up, Cal. I mean, it was six point game or whatever it was the most recent one. So it's going to take you know better than we saw again a game or two here in the last uh, couple of weeks. But you know, Coach Hass is you talk about coaches weathering all of this, Troy. I mean, again, the, the nine weeks away, and I have such admiration whether it's Tara or Coach has being away nine weeks, you've got your own family, you've got the, your players and the, and the challenges they face that does not just the usual, usual academic stuff, but how they're reacting to the pandemic and this, this, you know, this season where there are no fans. And so as a coach, you're managing that and then dealing with your own, you know, your own challenges. I mean, I just getting through it, I think deserves some sort of star or whatever. So I, um, I am, I am rooting, rooting for the, for the team. I just, I just hope that they can muster, uh, this sort of, uh, rejuvenation that you would need to to make a run in vegas yeah hopefully they have enough gas and i'm, I'm certainly
0: reminded by apollo creed and rocky three there is no tomorrow rock there is no tomorrow let's get going here all that being said uh, what's gone right what are some things that have gone right for stanford men's basketball so far this season
2: oh gosh i mean i i mean I, what pops to my mind for example um uh, is michael o'connell Mm -hmm. Um, being thrust in there when, when went down with the, with the, you know, the lower extremity injury and just the way that he has not been phased by this and, and uh, scoring the basketball, but just pushing the ball up the court. I mean, that, that is coach Hass. I think what what he's been aspiring to ever since he's, he's gotten here, just sort of pace of play. And then also recognizing when you, you have to moderate the pace of play when the when the, you know, the break or the secondary isn't there. And and so Michael O'Connell, I think has been a, you know, a, a good, uh, a good addition, uh, you know, Zaire Williams, obviously we, we know about the talent and I just think in any game he's capable of, of hitting three or four threes in a row. And, and I, we may see in Las Vegas, the acclimation that, you know, the acclimation hiccups that I spoke of the last couple of weeks, maybe those are, are smoothed over with this, you know, week between games and maybe he emerges as a score, but I, you know, I just enthused by the way that he, um, seems to have really, uh, appreciated the whole the whole Stanford experience. You, Troy, you remember at, at UW when he just jumped up and down when Bryce had that that posterizing, that dunk. I mean, I, I just love that. I mean, he's a, uh, you know, he's 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 really uh, fit in well. And and the defense is much better than people think. I mean, he really has has concentrated on defense. And when people do the draft stuff with with Zaire, I mean, you have got to talk about the length and the defense too because it's it's really there.
0: You hit it at this a couple minutes ago, but let's do a deeper dive here. Uh, Stanford beating Cal twice earlier this season, the most recent results. Just a six-point win for Stanford over Cal at Maple's Pavilion about a month or so ago, but still a win nonetheless. What are some of the lessons that you hope Stanford takes from those first two wins over Cal and potentially and hopefully applies them uh, to this third meeting against the Bears, this time with an entire postseason at stake?
2: Well, I mean, it, it, really for Stanford, it's just, it's, it's, it's playing their game. I mean, the, the you know, they're playing the, the good defense, uh, you know, neutralizing uh, Matt Bradley. I mean, the game plan against Cal, this is, this is no secret because every team in the league that plays Cal is implementing it. You've got to neutralize, you know, the great, uh, you know, guard, Matt Bradley. I mean, he's capable of getting 30. So how you defend him, I thought particularly in the first game, the game plan was executed real well he didn't he didn't have a lot of room to operate stanford seemed to have him well scouted so obviously it's it's having having a good plan and executing it against against matt bradley uh, uh you know i think for, for stanford a lot of it is just is 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 on the on the offensive end i mean you want to you want to be able to run the offense without oscar it's difficult now if oscar plays Cala, i think is a very favorable matchup for, for Oscar to be able to do his stuff you know another player that I should mention in response to your last question is Jaden Dallaire I mean what a year mm-hmm. Jaden Delaire has had I mean he is a for most of the back half of the year he's been in the top 15 in both you know scoring and rebounding I mean he's just been fabulous he's taken a huge step this year I think Jaden can get a lot of work done against Cal so you know if De Silva is healthy and, and Dallaire continues to do what he's done throughout the conference season I mean that that just open open that opens things up when those guys are able to operate in the half court. I mean, you throw the transition opportunities that O'Connell and Zaire, you know, Wills, you know, others can can provide. I mean, I, I, again, I, I think that if Stanford has has found something, you know, energy wise, something about uh, about kind of what we want to accomplish down there, the, the mental part of it, I, I do think that it's possible, you know, for Stanford to 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 make a run. But it starts with that Cal game, and I think you you acquire a lot of confidence if you play in that game, you know, in the, against Cal as you did maybe in the first of the two and you and you and if you prevail, you know, that's something you bang for the, the game that comes the next day.
0: Yeah. what do you make of the Pac-12 uh,
2: as a whole this year, the Pac-12 men's basketball product? Uh, interesting. I, uh, I would say uh, the conference is is down. If you ask me for my 35 years of perspective, I mean, I uh, the Again, yeah, I mean, I mean, t- you just don't have to look further than last year and losing Tyrell Terry. I mean, just the, the fact that uh, so many young players, you look at Washington with the two that, a uh, freshman that they had last year, you know, Stewart and, 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 and McDaniels that, that, uh, that moved on. I mean, there's, there's just, I mean, that, it, it's good for their sakes that they can, they can move on, but as far as building a team, um, it, it, sort of getting that cohesion that you get with the most this unit next year, maybe a couple of years down, Stanford doesn't have Ty, Tyrell Terry. So I just think, you know, sort of conference wide, um, it's, it's had an impact. I mean, Akinjo coming on to Arizona, he had some individual games, but they, you know, again, it's the integration part of, of basketball that, um, you know, it suffers when you lose, you know, top end players sort of year after year. And the conference has, has, has had that. And I, I I don't know what changes about that. Um, having said that, um, boy, the players at the top, I mean, they're still something. I mean, I, Evan Mobley, I, uh, at least second team All American, I, I would say. Uh, Chris Doherty has finished so strong for Oregon um, that he, he might get Conference Player of the Year. If not, he'll probably be second in in, in the voting. Uh, Oscar Da Silva, before the injury, obviously he was in the running for Conference Player of the Year. So the, the players at the top aren't a lot different than what we've seen the last decade. I Just think, uh, you know, below that, it's it's cohesion among a lot of the teams that has resulted in play. That I think, if there were a lot of if there were a lot of inter uh, Interconference uh, matchups. If the teams could fly and play uh, other conferences, I think that 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 the league would not not show as well. I'm not I'm not too optimistic about how deep that that the that the league will go in the in the NCAA tournament. Now whether that means you know no one gets to the second week, I, I don't know. I, I think it's possible that a couple teams could, but it's gonna it's gonna be tough uh, again because they haven't been tested against other conferences like they would in a, in a normal year. Oregon the team to beat this week uh you know I again this is probably part, a part response to your, your prior question that is I, they're not so dominant that they're gonna that I would call them the team to beat I mean they've got they only got to play three in a row so I um it's probably the team that has the the deepest you know maybe the guys four through seven that play the best maybe wins it um how do you how do you ballpark that, you know, going into the tournament. I, I, right. I don't know. I mean, Doherty is playing well and Dana Altman has coach teams up really well in in this tournament, but you know, the top four in the league, they probably they're looking at Lenardi and they're saying, well, we're in. So how much, how much fire is there? That's where a coach's fire helps and Altman has that. But I, you know, coach Hass, who I'm such a fan of, I mean, does he, does he find something? Do they, as a unit player and, and coaches, do they, do they find something to make that, you know, Win a couple games and then people start talking about Stanford again. I think that presupposes a, a healthy De Silva, which we'll all wait and see to, to find out. But I, I don't walk in saying it's it's Oregon. I, I mean, shoot, a half dozen teams could sure. win it, and maybe maybe more so. A lot of times we say you know three or four teams could win it. I think this year, um, it's 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 real because the the difference between one and six is not not that great. Yeah, and part of me says Colorado might be
0: a team to watch, but if that's the case, then Colorado faces the winner of Stanford and Cal.
2: So I like Colorado, but maybe not at the expense of Stanford. So I'm kind of uh, Colorado know, is so, so veteran, and they yeah. right. I have to mention th- his name during this talk because he's probably part of the Big Four or Five that have a chance to be Conference Play of the Year. But what a yeah. what a great career! What a great four year story he is, coming from Minnesota to Boulder, and could have left you know a couple times it would have been risky to have done so but just what he has accomplished in basketball on that campus will be remembered as long as they play basketball colorado
0: Yeah, yeah no doubt about that uh let's wrap it up on this um i i would imagine that this time of year every once in a while when you let your mind wander a little bit you think back to 1998 and and that march and that run and those big shots at the very end against Rhode Island and, and just being there in the Alamo Dome at the Final Four, a game that Stanford could have won in advance of the national championship. You think back on 98 and, and that run through the tournament, what sort of things to this day still stand out to you?
2: I learned a lot about the tournament, and, and I'd been broadcasting it several several times before 1998. But, Troy, that, that year, that sort of crystallize the fact that you do need some good fortune. I mean, Stanford getting uh, you know, getting Rhode Island uh, in the in the regional final, getting uh, Western Michigan instead of Clemson in the second game. I mean, that it wasn't a walkover, but it was a pretty comfortable win. And Clemson getting upset in, in the first round. So if you if, if if some dominoes fall before you get to that step, it can really enhance your your run. So it's getting some good fortune, even if you're a really good team, Stanford was a number three seed, so they were good, very good obviously, but they got some help as far as the, the seeding number of the teams they faced. Um, you gotta hit big shots because if you're gonna, if you're gonna advance any sort of distance, you're gonna have to play well in the last five minutes. David Mosley hit a huge three against, uh, against Purdue that I want to say double the lead from three to six in the final 50 seconds of the of the, of the uh, Sweet 16 game. And then Arthur Lee, I mean, that goes down to Stanford history. I mean, Stanford was dead down six with 59 seconds to go and he just made everything. I mean, he was he was unreal. It was one of the great finishes of any Stanford athlete in any sport. And it's why that team will be remembered forever uh, in San Antonio. Again. Um, you get to the final four and the basketball level is better it ju- it just is the teams that survive have something and you've got to you've got to be there with them or, or or make sure you bring your something and stanford jumped out i think to an 8 nothing lead and uh, we're feeling really good but then kentucky sort of even when they don't seem to be playing well come back but to you know to, to be so close there at the end i mean one point you know what how can you how can you complain I'm sure the players relive it because they're thinking, oh man, we could have got to the final and who knows then, uh, but, uh, getting to the final four, that is a mark of distinction for a coach in a program, whether you, whether you don't win a game at the final four, you make Troy, man, you, you, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a badge of distinction to win for, to get there, to say you're a final four team or a final four coach that has weight. I don't think there's a, a lot of extra room for, being a final four final coach if you win a national championship that's an, another ladder but there's a, a gap between whatever's here and then the next step which is final four if you're a final four coach that that is something and obviously Mike, Mike Montgomery for that that was a career achievement
0: yeah it was, an, it was an amazing run puts a smile on my face every time I think about it I hear you and Murph taking us all through it good times good times Hopefully good times ahead for Stanford women's hoops and for Stanford men's hoops as well. Uh, women waiting to see where they go in the bracket while the men have work to do in Las Vegas to see what they can do to make a big push this March. Who will be watching things specifically on the men's side, but well, also on the women's side a little bit too, but he'll be but he'll be on the radio call with my man, Scott Reese as well. John Platts will be with the Stanford men's basketball squad every step of the way. John, always appreciate the time. Thanks a bunch. Best of luck. Stay healthy. Best of luck to the squad, and I'm sure we'll be able to talk again soon.
2: I, I can't wait. I can't wait for the men's thing to begin. I'm, I'm rooting so hard for them, even though the broadcast may not re- reflect uh, the, the full extent of my partisanship, but, but go Stanford men and go Stanford women, for sure.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Our thanks again to uh, John Platts for joining us. Always appreciate uh, him stopping by and breaking it all down with us. Every time I see John Platts, I know him in a good place. I know him either at Stanford Stadium or or Maples Pavilion, or someplace where Stanford is uh, getting ready to compete. So uh, even though this was done via Zoom, always great to see my man John Platts. And uh, uh, good stuff, good stuff, as, as usual, whenever he's uh, talking basketball and, and, and breaking down the things that it might take for, for Stanford to hopefully make a run this week down in Vegas. And you heard, you know, we had Casey Jacobson, Stanford men's basketball, great uh, on the program uh, last month, and he was noting all the injuries that Stanford was suffering from. And when those guys came back, you know, he said, "When when when those guys get reintegrated into the process and into the team, he said it's either going to be clunky or it's going to be awesome." And it's skewed more towards clunky, unfortunately. And of course, Oscar de Silva not being able to go the last uh, few games—that's been. That's been the real big issue for Stanford, it seems, uh, certainly most recently anyway. But who knows? Stanford puts together a deep run. Do they need to win this tournament to make the tournament? Mm, That's my suspicion, yes. But, you know, let's see. Let's see how far Stanford can go. And hopefully the Cardinal can, can put it together with everything on the line and go forward from there. You want to respond to our chat with John Platt or anything that we've discussed on the show. As always, I welcome your thoughts. The best thing to do is to hit me up on Twitter and give me the hashtag TreeCast. TreeCast is the best way for me to see your thoughts on Stanford hoops, men's and women's, Stanford football, Stanford sports, anything on your mind. I always welcome uh, your, your thoughts and uh, your input along the way. TreeCast on Twitter. And we'll come at you next time. I, I think we're on track to be coming at you uh, next week. Uh, we've been irregular. I'm on an irregular posting schedule uh, so far this uh, new calendar year in 2021. Um, it's been a while since we've, since we've been here, so my apologies for that. But uh, I, I think we're on track to be coming at you again next week. Cannot wait for that. Our big thanks, of course, to our special guest, John Platts of the Stanford Radio Network. But, of course, our biggest thanks going out to you for joining us and being a part of the show. Don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. And I said it before in the show. I've said it at the end of every show since, what, spring, right? And I'll say it again here. Mask it or casket. It's that simple. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks again for being with us here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Channel. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.